Section thirteen of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Frederick J. Tabor Frost. Section thirteen. El Meco to Puerto Morelos. Part one across the shallow blue harbor of isla de mujeres and the four-mile stretch of the yucatan channel clear as crystal its small rippling waves flecked to foam by the trade winds lies the eastern mainland of yucatan here on the low wooded shore in direct line with the southern point of the island are the ruins of el meco our new boat was some two or three tons heavier than the esperanza our captain and its owner was a yucatecan fisherman lucio sanchez who some years before to avoid service in the national guard had migrated to key west and become an american citizen he had now returned to his native island had taken unto himself a yucatecan wife and was the happy father of four children in all our dealings with him which extended over several weeks we found him scrupulously honest and in all ways a marked contrast to his detestable fellow-countrymen if this were the result of two years residence at key west it is surely a happy augury of the improvement which is likely to take place in the yucatecan people when they form as they inevitably will a portion however unworthy of the land of the stars and stripes besides lucio our crew consisted of his half-brother a handsome black-eyed lad of sixteen who looked far older and rejoiced in the girlish name of dolores and the middle-aged yucatecan sailor whose name was pedro paz with a new stock of provisions and with a welcome addition of elbow-room compared with the cabined cribbed confinement of the tiny esperanza we made our start in the highest spirits the run across took less than an hour and opposite a sandy bay a mile north of the ruins we anchored the coast for the most part here is shelving coral rock and even small sailing boats dare not go right in landing always being a matter of wading we could see the main ruin a pyramid showing above the woods some little way inland and as there are no paths hereabouts we knew we should have to cut our way we were all armed with machetes we stopped under a clump of cocoa palms on the beach one of our sailors shinning up for the green fruit and had a delightful drink of the water and then tramped down the rocky shore till we came opposite the ruins but we had no sooner plunged into the woods than we discovered we had not got them to ourselves they were thickly populated and the natives were the most savage and inhospitable we had yet met the air was simply filled with mosquitoes which evidently regarded our arrival as the occasion for a dia de fiesta and started stinging our faces hands and arms till their pestilent persistence nearly maddened us 
if there is anything to urge you to work in such a spot where the least movement causes the sweat to run down you in rivulets it is mosquitoes while your machete is at work and the bush tops and branches fall around you the midget fiends keep off a bit thus goaded into frenzied activity we were not long in reaching el meco it is a pyramid faced with stone but unlike that at chichen it is built in perpendicular terraces each smaller than the one below giving its sides the appearance of a gigantic stairway save that the ledges are not of equal height or width on the east side there had been a staircase now ruined we scrambled up clinging on to the gnarled roots and branches of trees growing from it and once on the top a refreshing sea breeze greeted us for the time driving our persecutors away to make anything like accurate measurements the dense overgrowth had to be first cut away and we stripped off our coats and revolver belts and set to with a will the building which our energetic assault on the vegetation disclosed was now roofless it had consisted of two rectangular rooms running north and south at the top of the stairs on the east forming the doorway of the first chamber stood two pillars eighteen inches in diameter the inner room had two stone platforms about four feet high probably altars for there is no doubt that all the strictly pyramidal buildings of central america were religious in character we say strictly pyramidal to differentiate these temples from the other buildings of yucatan which are almost without exception erected on mounds while making our measurements one of us tape in hand nearly touched a snake which was hiding in a crevice in the wall he was quite small of a ringed black and brown color but lucio declared him one of the deadliest of all snakes he called it calum we tickled the reptile's tail with the machete and he squirmed deeper into the wall and disappeared a queerer occupant of this ancient temple was a huge hermit crab which by a miracle of persistence had climbed the pyramid and was hidden under a tree root these uncanny creatures are everywhere on the islands and along the coast of yucatan they live in large whelk shells moving from one to another as their growth demands a larger tenement all you can see of them is a great red hairy claw which is used to close the entrance of the shell when disturbed they make a shrill noise like the faint chirping of a bird by rubbing it is said the ridged surface of the last joint of the right great claw against the sharp edge of the second joint the woodlands of the islands were full of them and of course they were frequent on the beaches but it did seem curious to find this big fellow so much up in the world his family removals necessitating a descent of the pyramid and the journey of at least half a mile through the bush to the beach where he would have a choice of whelk shells must have been undertakings before which all but the stoutest crab hearts would have quailed climbing out on to the face of the ruin we found its height to be forty-eight feet 
descending we discovered on the south side of the pyramid on the ground level a tiny chamber five feet high and eight feet long the door about three feet high and two and a half wide remains of such a room existed on the left in other ruins we were struck again and again with the smallness of the doorways and the lowness of the roofs there are so many buildings of the kind in yucatan that a ludicrous belief is current among the natives that the builders of the ruins were dwarfs there is of course nothing in such a theory these tiny rooms at el meco were probably sleeping chambers for the guardian priests in the woods around we found three other buildings much ruined the pillars formed of rounded monoliths each some six feet high our investigations had taken some time and it would be quite unsafe to estimate how many times we had been beaten some idea may be gained of the number of mosquitoes engaged by the fact that we counted over three dozen on one coat sleeve we were right glad to reach the shore and get on board though with smarting faces and itching hands a run of an hour down the coast brought us to the northern end of cancun island seaward owing to surf and coral it is difficult to land but it is separated from the mainland by a series of narrow channels opening into several broad bays almost landlocked sea lakes at the entrance are sand spits running out from island and shore forming the narrowest of channels perhaps six feet wide it is such difficulties of navigation and the discomforts of small boat life which have kept other travellers away and permitted us the privilege of being the first to thoroughly explore these islands once past the sand spits you enter a truly tropic creek the water is a beech leaf green and clear as glass the laurel-hued mangrove trees grow far into the stream their brown snake-like roots showing feet above the water perched upon these weird trees are wild fowl and fishing birds while where the mud has silted up between the roots and formed a ledge lie alligators blinking their evil-looking eyes in the blazing light below you in the green crystal depths you see turtle floating and the giant picuda with pike-like jaws chasing the little fishes this picuda full-grown specimens of which weigh their fifteen or twenty pounds makes exciting fishing there is no science about it for he is a regular sea glutton and with the fresh fish the picuda insists on this he is no refuse eater as bait on a string quite rope-like in its thickness you are almost certain to hook one just about here the monster comes on board with a regular hullabaloo flapping and leaping like a veritable tarpon and inflicting ugly bites if you give him the chance the sailors kill him by hitting him over the head with a wooden mallet but this weapon proved ineffective in the hands of the lad dolores 
who apparently in the hope of hastening the fish's escape from his sufferings pressed his two brown fingers into the creature's eye sockets we were ashamed of the cruelty of the action and motioned to him to stop but yucatecans have no humanity and the boy his handsome face lit up with a bewitching smile went on gouging out the fish's eyes we had a shot or two at an alligator and bagged a few birds as we sailed out of this creek into a wide stretch of water its thickly wooded shores making it look like an english lake towards evening we ran into another channel and there at an inlet tree shrouded we ran the boat into the boggy bank the only inhabitant of the island is an old indian a regular mayan robinson crusoe nearly blind through a splinter of wood flying up into his face while he was chopping we were greeted by the barking of some half a dozen dogs which came bounding down from the hut followed by their master who could only just distinguish night from day and yet made his way to the water edge with extraordinary confidence he welcomed us with true mayan hospitality and in a little time we were dining like princes of roasted picuda biscuit and rice washed down with cadbury's cocoa there was one drawback to our new quarters the mosquitoes were in possession cancun is a sixteen-mile stretch mostly dense bush at the northern end one of the artificial mounds examples of which we examined higher up the coast by cape catoche our old mayan host was called patricio pat quite probably a descendant of the cacique naum pat with whom it will be remembered the spaniards made such friends on their first visits to cozumel he had two huts in a clearing near the water edge surrounded by a grove of cocoa palms for the fruit of which a dory came periodically from the other islands there was a certain distinction about the old man's face as he crouched in front of the fire on the earth floor of his hut and held his lean brown hands out to where he could half see the red flame he had queer stories to tell of haunted ruins in the bush here of how he had heard his name called several times and cocks crowing and all the other noises of a village and how long ago a yucatecan fisherman wantonly breaking up a stone that had fallen from an indian palace front had been struck from behind by an unseen foe and after hours of unconsciousness had crawled to the sea beach and for weeks had been on the point of death it was all very quaint and the old man's droning voice and his clear-cut wizened hairless face in the glare of the fire made just such a figure as must have crouched round the fires when naum pat was lord hereabouts and the caravels of spain had yet to be sighted from the wooded shores we early tumbled into our hammocks but long after in the flickering light of the fire robinson crusoe squatted in front of a small stool on which stood an earthenware pot into which he laboriously scraped and squeezed with a broken fragment of coconut shell 
the meat of a pile of coconuts from which he was thus extracting the oil we were up at dawn hoping to steal a march on the enemy but even at that early hour the insect curses of the tropics had taken down the shutters and started business while we breakfasted crusoe squatted on his haunches in true mayan fashion meditatively rubbing his thin hands and giving us the best directions he could for our coming hunt in the bush by seven accompanied by lucio and pedro we were off as we dived into the woodlands at the back of the hut the old fellow machete on shoulder in sack shift and patched striped cotton trousers surrounded by a pack of leaping barking dogs started for the eastern shore where he expected a dory to fetch a cargo of coconuts a road led up a winding path where the mosquitoes were plentiful and strong on the wing to the crest of the island which was divided into the eastern side all sand and low heather-like plant sea thistle and stunted cactus and the western all jungly woods for some miles we had to keep to the eastward the sand was soft and deep and the roots of the plants sprawling around gave one no foothold in anticipation of the difficulty of changing even small paper money in the island pueblos we had filled a money belt with two hundred mexican dollars twenty pounds each in size nearly as big as an english five shilling piece this belt had always so far been a bit of a white elephant Today it was a positive cross we realized for the first time what is described so eloquently as the burden of wealth and before we had staggered and floundered our first mile in that relentlessly yielding sand we both as our turn came to carry it cursed a civilization which had created the necessity of bullion and fervently wished we had not a copper in the world following crusoe's suggestion we started cutting into the woods at a point where some cocoa palms stood though we thus lost the sand we found the mosquitoes and nobody but the keenest of ruined hunters would have stood the earthly hell through which we passed for the next hour in a wood too high and thick to admit air but too low to shade you from the scorching sun with every second bush bearing thorns an inch long your legs entangled in vines and creepers so stout that once caught no struggles however heroic would free you too hot to wear your flannel shirt sleeves down and too pestilential with mosquitoes for you to dare expose an inch more skin than was necessary bathed in sweat stumbling stooping creeping leaping over under in and out cutting your way foot by foot you need the true explorer's zeal not to sit down and give it up but we had not come six thousand miles to give it up and after we had made two false detours we struck a ruin which well rewarded us for our sufferings 
deep in the thickest bush the trees around shrouding them with a curtain of speckled green stood a group of buildings upon which we were probably the first white men to look as there is no record of a spanish landing in cancun at such a moment the most matter-of-fact being must yield to a certain feeling of solemnity you are gripped by the romance of the quest after a vanished civilization but in cancun at least there are winged fiends who serve as a very practical reminder that you cannot afford to daydream but must get to work at once while our men lit a palm leaf fire to keep the mosquitoes at bay we cut through the bush to see how many buildings there were and where to begin there were four and the first we tackled was an oblong building twenty-six feet by ten erected on a platform built up some four feet from the ground level making a terrace all round varying in width from twelve to sixteen feet on the west were two small doorways and on the east three these were so small that it was necessary to crawl through digging down however we found under a foot of earth the true flooring this was a cement of lime and sand and was two and a half inches thick over the entire floor the interior of the building was in the same style as those of the mainland having what is known as the mayan arch running up almost to a point the rough corners of the stones standing out like steps inverted a slab being laid across the two walls thus making a narrow ceiling the outside walls were built up to the same level as the pointed roof and the space between was filled with rubble making a flat roof now entirely overgrown with cactus and trees above the centre door was a gap where the wall had fallen and where once stood what must have been more than a life-sized figure on the platform below we found the head and shoulders a fine piece of carving legs body and arms were smashed almost past recognition and the feathered headdress had entirely disappeared the head and bust was so heavy that it took the four of us to carry it a few yards and set it against the pyramidal mound nearby where we could photograph it and where it could be for the future out of the line of fire of falling stone we next visited the pyramid it was approached by steps but the temple which once crowned it had fallen and was a mass of stones none of them apparently carved but the most extraordinary ruins were what had evidently been two pillared halls standing about fifty yards apart that on the south was the largest and stood on a stone platform ninety feet long and thirty-three feet wide the building itself measured sixty feet by seventeen feet and in two rows down the centre ten in each row were immense pillars many monolithic and some as much as eight and a half feet high these had originally supported the roof now fallen and making a rooting place for trees and undergrowth which covered the whole platform around the platform on the ground level was a paved walk sixteen feet wide now buried under the fallen walls 
the building on the north was no better preserved it was exactly the same except that it had three rows of pillars running the length of the building in their broken state looking like grey-barked trees severed by an axe when newly erected these twin pillared halls must have been really magnificent the architecture of all the buildings was rougher but more solid than that of those of the mainland a noticeable feature which we remarked again in cozumel was the prevalence of the monolithic pillar which we found nowhere on the mainland among the richly decorated ruins such as chichen labna and sayil where the pillar almost always carved in relief is square and built in sections a foot or two high of mural ornamentation there was no sign and the general appearance of these cancun ruins showed cruder workmanship than the rich facade work and carvings of chichen and palenque on our way back to the shore we discovered a small group of ruins a mound and two or three houses in hopeless decay the isolated position of the island and its difficulty of approach perhaps explain the fact that no spanish landing in the sixteenth century is recorded thus time and time alone has been the enemy of this city shattered as they were by the ravages of time these cancun buildings suggest nay they demand as their only explanation a multitudinous population the mere erection of the pillared halls by hand labor must have been a colossal task and how the monoliths many twice the height of the average indian were so perfectly hewn without metal tools seems almost a miracle cancun is a limestone island and there is no doubt that the stones were quarried somewhere on its surface though we were unable to find a suggestion of a quarry anywhere for miles around End of section thirteen recording by shena Sir, fresno california